All right, here we go. Hey, welcome to the You Bet Podcast. I am Taj Mawaki here with a special host. Tammy J, and we're introducing the Gospel of the Harlem Renaissance, written by my grandfather, Titus Walk. All right, you heard it live here on the You Bet Podcast. Get ready for an exciting episode, y'all. Hold on to your seats. Let's pay these bills. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, get ready. Gospel Hall of Renaissance, episode 13. Okay. <laughs> bye bye, guys. <laughs> For uh, the one and only Tammy J. Yes, that's me. Hey, what's going on, Tammy J? How are you? How are you? You sound so youthful. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound. You don't sound like our other uh, friend uh, Hamilton TJ <laughs> <clears throat> from the other. Uh, Excuse me. Network, other networks. So you are, so you are Tammy J. This, this is what I hear. Yes, that's me. I am she. Yes, that's that's she. Uh, we are here at the You Bat podcast with this special episode of the Harlem Renaissance. Right now, we will have a special guest on this podcast. Our first uh, special host that we have is uh, the one and only Tammy J here on the You Bet podcast episode The Gospel of the Harlem Renaissance written by the one and only late great Titus Walker Um, and right now we're going to talk a little bit about um, Harlem Uh, I know Tammy J she's out here she's went to school uh, a lot of times in Harlem. In Spanish Harlem. Tell us about some in Spanish Harlem. Yes, tell us some about some of them walks back and forth Spanish Harlem. Some of the things you've seen on One Sixteenth. Um. Well. <laughs> um. In Harlem is really culturally diverse. Like it's not only like even though it says Spanish Harlem is not just like Spanish people. Like, um, actually, one of my friends that lives in Spanish Harlem, she's Irish. And there's like a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Irish people around there, and um, yeah, I like it. You like it. You like mm-hmm. it because you've been going, you've been going back and forth that neighborhood since uh, what year about? Since like 2013 or something. Wow, 2013, 14. Wow, that's a that's a long time. That's almost about uh, seven years, I guess. Uh, back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, my grandmother actually used to go to church like faithfully on 116th. Well, I go to a Catholic, I went to that Catholic school over there. Um, and we went to church pretty often, Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, Mike, Mount Carmel, yeah. Wow, wow, Mount Carmel. Well, well, Mount Carmel is definitely a, a great school. That um, 
I was coerced into supporting and funding for these seven years. And um, it's been great. It's been great. But I thought this was definitely uh, a special episode that I wanted to start out with uh, basically the future of uh, whatever we may do. You never know. Maybe you bad uh, real estate. Maybe you bad um, furniture. Maybe you bad car washing. Maybe you bad... Uh, some type of UBAT business because we all know UBAT is an acronym for Ujama Black American Theater in which all our episodes are um, dealing with uh, different productions we do. So we have Fill Up My Black Woman episode was about, was about relationships. So we had uh, Rhythm and Blues. Uh, please think about Rhythm and Blues, a production we did and our episode was talking about different music genres. We talked about Tommy Mead, which Tamara had a had a joyful uh, time uh, co-directing and rehearsing the actual production. You know, uh, I, I still remember that, mm-hmm. Tammy J. You was uh, doing your thing at those auditions. Yeah. <laughs> she, she said, please, can I have your name, your number, and email? Yep. And uh, they they did what she said. I mean, I think that was probably one of the greatest uh, kid performance years we had. It sounds like you have some youth in the background. That's some youth in the background here. Yeah, that's my brother. Ah, the brother, <laughs> the brother, the brother. I feel that isn't that uh isn't that Tyler K? <laughs> Ty K? Isn't that Ty K? Yep. Yes, everybody has abbreviation names here. I'm just uh, Tajimawaki. I Africanized my name. That's my nickname. So I'm one of those uh, Africanized nickname guys. But definitely, um, we have uh, interviews from uh, Pearl Bailey. We have interviews from Gordon Gathers. We have interviews from, uh, you know, the one and only Tamara J. And we are so excited to... um, definitely have an interview from the grave. Titus Walker will be speaking <laughs> on it, on this podcast. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Tamara may, may find it funny, but I'm like, I'm very choked up and emotional. I, I get choked up and emotional and she just laughs. That's been our relationship for a while now. <laughs> but definitely, um, are there any other tidbits about the Harlem Renaissance and that whole Story? Do you feel like you even remember that story enough to even talk about it a little bit? Um, I mean, I need to be like refreshed a little bit, but I'm sure I can. Okay, 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 okay. Definitely, definitely. But definitely, it was about a uh, family that uh, came from Virginia and came to New York in the 1920s and 30s, and um, the husband Sanson Jones came to. Harlem as a writer after being a school teacher in um, Virginia, very similar to the playwrights uh, story. Uh, Titus Walker definitely was a teacher out in New York City, uh, Board of Ed, and then later um, said, you know what, I want to start my own theater company after being uh, hostos um, student president. He talks about it a little bit um, during interviews on this podcast where he kind of walks through his journey as a hostos and dealing with different uh, leaders during that time. Because they were saying, they said, hey, Mr. Walker, you can get us some funding from hostos. And they said, I probably can because I'm the student president. And so they were so much friends with him because not because they liked him, but what he can do for them. 
see how people are see mm-hmm. how people are you see how people are well definitely um i definitely want to uh pass it on to tamara J. So she can give her closing thoughts, if any, about Harlem and what she looks forward to hear on this podcast, which is aired on iTunes, Spotify, and all these different networks. Whoa, 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 whoa. Keep it down back there. <laughs> <laughs> we, hear, we hear him in the background, but definitely we want we want all the youth to come uh, and get busy during this special podcast. So any last statements, uh, Tamara, about what we're about to hear today? Are you looking forward to hearing Pearl Bailey's testimony? Yeah, about- I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to um, understand more in depth of what uh, the Harlem Renaissance is really about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hearing Pearl Bailey's point of view and her story. Yes. Her story, because she talks about when she first got to Ujama. She talks about why she got to Ujama. How she she talks about how she missed the class and why uh, she actually came into Ujama. Not that she missed the class. She graduated early and was unable to register for college on time. Mm-hmm. And she said she got free time. Let me just join this guy's uh, theater company. That guy was Titus Walker. Uh, my dad, your granddad, and Pearl Bailey is uh, definitely my mother, your grandmother, and she's trying to find out what you want for your uh, birthday. Cumpleaños, <laughs> yes, cumpleaños. We gonna say cumpleaños on this stream. Um, okay. <laughs> you tell you call 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 her up. I, I said I said uh, she wants you to surprise her. Uh, what did I ask for at that age? She said money. I said, yeah, maybe you get warm. If I ask for money, I think she's the same age. She may want the same thing. But um, we're working everything out for your cumpleaños. This is the big one. Mm-hmm. This is the big one, ain't it? Yeah. Well, not really that big. More next year. Not really that. More next year. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well, we getting we getting there. We close. We close. We close. <laughs> So right now I'm gonna have a little um, commercial. I'm gonna have a little commercial break, and um, we're gonna get uh, you know, we're gonna pay some bills, and we're gonna get right back to this uh, podcast. All right. Bye. All right. You know, uh, you know, I will. Uh, publishing, you know, you know, I want to make sure we make a dent in this uh, a new book that Gordon Gathers has, and we'll definitely put some of the links below. Gordon, plug plug this book. Let's talk about this book. Oh yeah, a this, more. this book is, is is called a Diplomacy: Cause and Effect: The Art of Communication, and basically, it's, it's simply a book. It's just a personal insight as uh, to the annals of communication and diplomacy. What I think are important elements to have. And, and how people uh, in many, many situations uh, communicate in many different ways and how powerful words can be, uh, how powerful your intent can be, and, and just how important it is for us to really understand what, what, what communication and understand what our relationship is to each other. Uh, and, and what, you know, what how powerful. Say that title again, because that, that title diplomacy, just... The, the, the diplomacy, Cause and Effect, The Art of Communication. Hmm. And it's available on Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble. 
Okay. So listeners, definitely out there, you know, um, uh, we got, you know, uh, definitely people who came through this uh, theater company that has, um, you know, work of their own and published work that definitely you got to look for because, you know, your legacy is our legacy, Gordon. Definitely want to definitely support and make sure you go to that Amazon and you go to Barnes and Nobles. This man has put in the work, you know what I'm saying? And we talk about diplomacy and, you know, that titling, you already know that you, you're in, in due for some intense reading you know that, well, that, I, you know. thank you thank you, my brother i appreciate that it's just uh i just want to say that uh, you know i'm not trying to you know you know force anything on anybody sort of tell anybody anything i'm just simply sharing my experiences what i've learned what i felt what i've come to realize in life and just share it with you so that's really what i, want. I really want people to, to understand when they read the book too just to think if something is in this book that maybe you might have thought of or connects with you that's fine but it's not to say what you're doing is correct or incorrect. No one has the right to say that about anyone. No one has the right to dictate what a person's life or the person's journey is. You can only uh, inspire each other and just encourage them to say great things or positive things to you know, jumpstart each other. That's all we can do. That's all we can uh, do. Human beings, you know? and, and that's what I hope to accomplish with this book. Hey, man. Hey, man. And definitely, listen, we look forward to it and you got the spirit to do it. So, you know, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna stop there. Listen, Renaissance uh, Gospel of the Hall of Renaissance Edition podcast. Hall um, of Renaissance was a wonderful play that Titus Walker created, showing how black people can go for education and graduate with degrees and still have problems with proper employment. We need to start employing ourselves to do the things that we need to do for ourselves the way we had it in Louisiana, big stock market that we had, and they came and burned down everything and came and slaughtered people. Now, when was the first time that you was introduced to the gospel of the Harlem Renaissance? Harlem Renaissance was introduced to the community and approximately, I'd say, nineteen eighty one or 82 and uh, it was with Ujama Black Theater Company promoting positive images of black people in any media form we basically worked through uh, producing plays, Titus Walker produced plays, he took it to Cammie Hall, Carnegie Hall and many of the universities in the CUNY region Hostos where he's an alumni as well as um, Manhattan Community College, Bronx Community College, Queens Community College, um, Denzel Washington also attended uh, CUNY, and he also had a place going on at that time. Uh, did you see that play that Denzel Washington had going on at the time? I believe that he was in. Yes, Chickens Come to Roost, and Denzel Washington played. Um, Malcolm X and it was a wonderful play showing the struggle that the brothers had at that time now back to I guess the prerequisite of that movement to the gospel of the Harlem 
renaissance what were some of the god elements on a beautiful sunday like today that you remember from that production well god was always with us and uh titus was able to take the play to several of the off-broadway theaters in the area even town hall on 43rd street we also went to like i said a few of the colleges in the area and uh it was a blessing because it showed that our people had come to a peak in productivity at that time, going to school and learning, and some doors were finally opening for our people at that time after such a struggle from 1700 to 1800 up to Juneteenth, where we finally realized that we were even free and started to regress for ourselves and go to schools and colleges. And up to that point, Harlem Renaissance portrays the struggles we had, how we would combine as a community to stick together and adhere to each other's thoughts and ideas and begin rebuilding a community for ourselves. Wow. Very well explained and very well laid out. Now, the Harlem Renaissance era, for some listeners that may not know, who were some of the lead like um, leaders in that movement? Well, not being a historian, but I know Marcus Garvey. Um, from the 20s to the 60s, there was Marcus Garvey. I don't know the age of Malcolm X. But there were always many pioneers from everything from uh, air conditioning on trucks, air conditioning in houses, even uh, George Washington Carver. He started the peanuts. He was one of the pioneers of plastics and many uses for the oils from the peanuts. And there's so many from Indian, African, that there's a history that's lost that you really have to look for in the books. What I was, I'm glad, right. that, I'm glad that you touched on industry, uh, you know, because there was definitely some industrial things that happened during the Harlem Renaissance. But I guess yeah. some of the influential, being that the gospel of the Harlem Renaissance was about a writer coming from Virginia to pursue, you know, uh, a, a, a lead from other writers that existed during that time. What are some of the writers that you kind of remember and some of their classical writers from that time? And I guess- Well, I know Angela Mayu. Angela Mayu? There was Dunbar, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Paul Lawrence Dunbar? Now, now, who who was Paul Lawrence Dunbar? He was mostly a poet and writer. Like I said, not being a historian, but there started to be books and writings. Uh, Richard, he did many books coming up in the 60s. He did a whole series of black books written by us and for us. Um, I know Titus Walker, he was a great uh, writer. And still he was from the the more 70s, modern, the 80s. More, yeah, the more modern, more modern era. 
more contemporary. Compared- well, like I said, you can go up through Angela Mayu. She was a great poet and writer. There's many books. You have to look into the history of these books. Now, what about a Langston Hughes and some of his writing and his writing style? Langston Hughes. What do you what, um, what do you know about Langston Hughes? Because these are some of the ca- ca- these are some of the characters that we talk about in um, Harlem Renaissance. What do you know about, in particularly, Langston Hughes and some of his writing? Well, I know when I went to junior high school. Being a, from Harlem, I know Langston Hughes. He wrote many books. A few of them to mention. Langston Hughes was uh, born in February of 1901, and he didn't die until 1967. Hmm. And he was from Missouri. And came to New York City as a young man. Um, Some of his books were. Well he did a lot of poems. He died in 1967. Hmm. Let America Be America Again in July. Was one of the books published. Simple and More in 1940 was his autobiography. Hmm. Then he was a great part of the Harlem Renaissance. Definitely, definitely. That's why I wanted to, you know, you can't talk about the Harlem Renaissance without, you know, giving a moment for um, Langston Hughes. Many of his books are in the Harlem's Schomburg Library and yes. Schomburg Center, yes, where definitely. I used to. Also a ten as a young girl. Now, now definitely this episode, you know, talking about the gospel of the Harlem Renaissance, and you being a Harlem Knight, uh, born in Harlem Hospital, lived in Harlem, you know, most of your younger life. Tell me about life in Harlem for you as a little girl coming up, and what things you've seen. Life in Harlem was wonderful. Coming up from 1960 to 1972, I lived in Harlem. I went to church in uh, Spanish Harlem on 116th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. Was it known as Spanish Harlem then? Excuse me? Was it known as Spanish Harlem then? I would say there was a high population of Hispanics there at that time. Wow, okay. But um, we had a black church in that area. It was one of the first melting pots in that area between Spanish Harlem and Harlem from 110th Street all the way up to 145th Street, as far over as Paladino Avenue and all the way over to St. Nicholas Avenue and all the way over to Riverside Drive. There was the Cotton Club. There was the Apollo Theater in that area. There were many um, diving boards for all types of black businesses and black um, creations. Mm -hmm. We used to do jewelry. My sister used to make her own jewelry there. She worked with a store on 125th Street. 
And of course, we had the white businesses, Bloomstein and other businesses right across from the Apollo Theater. We had the movie theater that we used to go to every Sunday. Or my mother used to take us once a week. What movie theater was this? What was the name? It was next to the Apollo. I believe it was the... Victoria 5? I want to say it was RKO Coliseum. Oh, maybe we'll do some renaming. I couldn't remember right now. Not not, not the Victoria 5? Maybe it was a Victoria... I can't remember being such a little girl at that time, but I remember when the Harlem office building was built. Wow. And um, there were beautiful brownstones all the way. There was the Teresa Hotel. We lived right on Fifth Avenue. And then uh, I went to uh, junior high school, IS-201, and that was a research school without windows because they figured that the students would be able to concentrate on their work if they couldn't see how beautiful it was outside. Really? Yes. And I went to PS68 and Excel. I won the Eloise Moore Award for Excellence in Education. And I had a wonderful music and art teacher. And he would get into the black writings. He taught us other languages. I learned to sing the black national anthem in Swahili, which I still remember to this day. Wow. Wow. Can, um, before we go on break, you know, we go, we want to hear some of that. So, uh, we're going to go on break for a second and definitely, uh, I want you to, you know, dabble into that black national anthem because this is hot. Uh, right oh yeah! Now, right now you're hearing a uh, founding member of the Ujima Black Theater, uh, Pearl Bailey. She's in the building right now on the UBAT podcast. Um, very happy to have this special guest. So definitely, as we uh, prelude and elude, uh, we want to thank you, uh, Pearl, for just being with us today. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor and a pleasure to promote any en- ed- education and anything that I can get to other people to know that we can do these businesses and we have done it before and we can adhere to each other to promote each other, especially if there's something positive for us. Fantastic. Listen, uh, founding queen Pearl Bailey, we want to thank you. Um, for this uh, first half. You made it dynamic, and we're going to go on break and get right back to that Black National Anthem. All right, guys, okay. stay, stay tuned. This is the You Bet Podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Amen. Damn. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taj Mawaki, and we are here with... And I am... Tweety. Yes, Tweety D. And we on a podcast called UBAT. Everybody, just hold on to your seats and get ready for a great, great show. Click and family hood. And it was a word that 
also connected economics to an African concept that not only uh, would you need creativity, but you also would need an economic program, an economic plan in order to make our work effective. Now, walk me through, uh, first I'm going to ask you about the group itself and the history of the group and also, you know, if it's appropriate to fold in your personal background and history, you know, please do so. But this is something you started in 75. Um, It started when I was actually a college student, okay, and as a college student, I was also searching for my own identity, and I became president of the African American um, club known as the Black Student Union, and as president of the Black Student Organization, I got an opportunity to organize programs and also be in contact with some of the top black minds at the time. Um, also, the fact is that I also was a writer and a poet. And I say that in order to say that my major focus was communication. I moved into other levels of communication by moving into communication. And I wanted to really be a communicator to be able to make people more sensitive to the trials and tribulations of the African American. One of the major people that had a major effect on me was Elhak Malik El Shabazz, Malcolm X. By reading his autobiography, I was able to see that this was a black man like myself. And that book awoken me to who I was and the presence I had in this country. And it gave me direction. And from reading that book, also I didn't be involved with other cultural artists. I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be able also to give back uh, what was given to me. And I found, especially as a young black man, um, it's, it's so important to have direction. And that's the kindle that direction. Because once you have direction, then you know why you're going to school, why you're going to college. Um, and it's more clear to you how to progress what your destiny should be. So when did you actually start writing plays? I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess I really started writing plays probably by 1977. By 76-77, I moved a lot of my work that was poetry into um, play work, monologue format. Okay, so moved the poetry into monologues and the monologues into different scenes. Okay, so it was a, a progression. Okay, and but I said a lot of the experience I got was in college, and and the people that I met in college, and also my English professors who saw my work and um, thought that um, I should be more developed. So I had quite a few of my um, African American and Caucasian um, professors take a personal interest in my work and my development. And then how, as you look, you know, over the years, as they've gone by, obviously, done this now for two decades right. and more, um, how has, how has the group evolved, and how has your work evolved, and how do they, you know, tie together? Well, I say that, um, as a group, we have been very effective in changing how people see African Americans. We've been effective on how African Americans also see themselves, 
okay, uh, we've done groundbreaking work. Like one of the one of the major works I think that was extremely effective was a piece like The Sun People. And The Sun People was about an African kingdom. And, you know, people got the opportunity to see, um, and especially from the community level, um, kings and queens. Okay. Also, when we did a piece like We Gotta Fight Apartheid. We Gotta Fight Apartheid was a, a groundbreaking work because of the fact that people for the first time got a chance to see the suede of rebellion on stage. And um, we're the first black theater to do the suede of rebellion on stage for people actually to see it. From there, you had that play, um, Sarafina. Okay, but we were the first to put the, the Suede of Rebellion on stage. And when I say that, the fact is that, and understand what I'm saying, especially in that time, there was such a heavy battle going on with the corporations. And remember, corporations are one of the big investors in theater also. So you didn't get a lot of theaters talking about against what's happening in South Africa. I'm talking about black theaters. You didn't get a lot of that. Um, because really, once you started taking a position against what's happening in the apartheid, you're taking a position against certain American corporations. Okay, so we, we did some groundbreaking work. And once we walked that ground, okay, and I'm not saying that there wasn't plays about apartheid, but not on the level that we were doing it. And also, um, as director of the theater, I saw my job also was to make African Americans and uh, Caucasians sensitive to what's happening in South Africa. And the only way we could really show that was to actually show the kill. Okay, because remember, when you talk about Africa, unless you see death and destruction, you really don't become sensitive to that kind of issue. It's just something that's happened somewhere else. And then people see the, um, the African-American um, connection. Okay. Um, and to look at what was happening during that time in the mid-80s, and to see South Africa move into a, a new level of freedom and semi-democracy. I mean, it's something that we probably never thought we'd see in our lifetime. So, in some of these groundbreaking, you know, your more groundbreaking work, um... Another, another area I would say is when we did a piece called Please Don't Take My Rhythms and Blues. Please Don't Take My Rhythms and Blues was a piece dealing with what was happening to soldiers. And we did this in 1983. And I could see that soul music was taking a, a decline. And what was happening was that a lot of the original music wasn't really being placed in the uh, correct historical perspective as the classic music in which it is. But let me say this about that particular play. What we did that was groundbreaking was we showed um, a soul group from children and developed them into men. And people saw that actually on stage. And before that, you never really saw people move from the development of children and then develop into men on stage. You never saw that. Okay, so um, you see it more today now in films. But when we did it, it was groundbreaking. And people said, they said oh, man, I've never seen, especially for African-American theater, they've never seen that kind of progression. Okay, so um, that later, but so by, mm, probably by the late, early 90s, you would start seeing that kind of progression. Young blacks moving from um, uh, their youth and then moving into um, their adulthood. But when we did it, it would never be done. And what about with your subject matter? Did you ever 
some of these ideas could be for Well, the fact is that from, from us using the concept of who Jamal, well, the fact is that we did 99% of our own fundraising and grassroots fundraising. So that means that um, we got direct support from the black community. And also, I got um, direct support from my base, my power base, which was my, was my uh, college community. And me coming out the college movement, Okay, because once you be in the college, what a lot of people don't understand is once you go to college, you become part of a society, part of a movement, okay? And um, I got a good base support, always got a good base support from the, from the college element. And so I have great respect for college students because college students, many times, you are at your best. Um, like, even meeting people today, the fact is that you, when you meet people in college, you meet people who become the great, um, professors or the great filmmakers um, and you may look at them 20 years later and you say oh I met that person when he was in college okay so at this point and they're not as deluded with uh, having to worry about uh, how am I going to live and it's still at a point where people feel they can live forever so are you still largely funded through that network oh we get we get a lot of support through that network such a, you know, we've dealt with and trained hundreds and thousands of people. I would say with this particular uh, production, we have about 20 or so, but then we have like other people that are connected you know, administratively, you know, so then those numbers get kind of high, but this, with this particular production, we have like about 20 people connected with it. Yeah. So tell me a bit about this
what is happening with the reality of the black community. Okay, it's a serious breakdown because most people are trained only to do commercial works. And it's one of the travesties of dealing with um, black theater and black arts is that it's not being more representative of what is going on um, with black people. Well, let's put it this way. When you look at in the olden days of the minstrel, the minstrel was not a reflection of what was going on with black people. Okay? Let's just understand that during that time, the minstrel wasn't a reflection of what was going on with black people. Uh, the minstrel was actually a mirror of how uh, the Caucasian world saw black people. Okay? And really, we're still living in that time and that historical moment where what we see in theater today is not actually what is happening with black people. And I'm not saying across the board that nobody's doing anything, but I'm just saying is the fact is that when you look at what images are funding, when you look at what images are out there, they're more a reflection of how the Caucasian world wants to see the black world and catering to a market that might fund you. Um, if you're doing comedy, it's because of the fact is that comedy is acceptable, but is that a true reflection of what is happening in that community, okay, is that, is, is that truly black theater, is that truly uh, a cultural response, because once theater is not a cultural response of that people, it is something different, okay, it is not an actual uh, authentic reflection of how those people feel, and what is going on with those people, okay, so when you look at what's happening in black theater today, you don't really see a serious dramatic response between the reality of how black people feel and what they see on stage, okay? And they are, in many ways, cut off from seeing the reality of their lives reflected through stage. Now, other case in point has to do with the fact of the rappers. Now, the rappers become a more authentic, even if it is also, um, dealing with the fact of uh, commercial economics, okay, of, of, of romanticizing being a quote, quote, black gangster in your community, okay, it is more of an honest reflection of the struggle what is happening with the black community, okay, because it's talking about the, the struggle, the daily struggle that people are having, and because it has become a commercial entity, it has gone into an extreme, okay? It has gone into an extreme of saying, um, this is the reality of what's going on, but is that the only reality, okay? Because the, those things may be good for selling records, but is that the only reality? And does that say where we need to go? I know that people are selling drugs. I know that there's prostitution, okay? But why is there prostitution? Why is what's one of the only jobs young black men can get is uh, selling drugs, okay? There's a lot of whys there. And unless you, and when you do it historically, you deal historically with the why. If you are suffering from the fact of the only job that you are left to get is a street job selling drugs, why? Okay, um, if the penitentiary is filled with male blacks, why? If the a person is being cut off from the uh, society, okay, 
fighting. Why? And when you look at historically in this country, most ethnic groups that came here, whether they were Irish or Italian, many times in order to survive in America, had to become part of a criminal element, okay, of survival. If people, if people couldn't get jobs, the fact is, if, if they were discriminated against Irish, if they were discriminated against Italian, and they couldn't get jobs, people were left to their own means to live every day, okay? And many times when people are left to their own means to live every day, they move into something that may become illegal, but it's part of their survival. There's a lot of whys there. So when you deal with the fact of the, of the romanticizing the quote-unquote black Gangster. The fact is, there's a lot of whys there, and those whys are not being answered. Okay, you just see a, a reflection of what is going on, but there's a lot of whys, and that whys have to do with racism in America. Take us out. <laughs> Put it on the spot. I'm trying to think of of a uh, some people. You know, you know, you know what song? You know, which one you want? Yes. Fly little angel, you know what you know what time it is. Right after Todd Smith passed yes. away, you know we we had a, a solo and it was uh, by Sister Queen. It was Fly little angel. Fly little angel. Don't yes. Don't you cry. Fly birds are chirping. Little angel. Don't you cry. Rest, little angel, begin to fly, fly, little angel, don't you Father awaits you to bring you peace. Heaven's gate, heaven's gate, heaven's gate are Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I want to I want to dedicate that song. Listen, I want to dedicate that song. Okay. Hey, Gordon Gavis. Finally, finally I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. We, we got contact. Listen, <laughs> us as Asiatic uh, people from this uh, original earth have been known to do many things, and we definitely uh, won't stop at a uh, device and uh, recording uh, <laughs> applications. Absolutely, my brother. Absolutely. So, listen, it's good to have the legend of you bat on the line. I mean, 
I asked my mom, I said, I said, who, who was in the theater before I was born? He said, I think Gordon. Gordon was definitely, he, she was definitely there before you was born. He was definitely there. He was definitely there before you was born. I said, I said, wow, Gordon was actually, was actually a BC before, you know, BT, before Taj Mahal, you know, before Taj Mawaki. Hey, my brother, it was an honor to be here, man. I tell you, we, we haven't talked in a while, you know, but I, I tell you, one of the highlights of this last year is when I came to your award ceremony and I was able to, uh, you know, present that award to you. But the thing is, when I really thought about what Titus meant to me and, and the journey that he took me on, and to see you as a, as a, as a young man following in his footsteps and now becoming, uh, it's just, it was, it was, be, it was beyond heartwarming man it's just so good to see it's like seeing a legacy come to life and being proud to be a part of it you know, and that's what you are my brother you're a legacy man and, and i greatest respect for you I'm, I'm happy to be on on your program i'm honored to be here you know and i'm glad that you you have this i think it's time for the world to start hearing some truth definitely definitely you know um ujama founded 1977 by my father titus uh walker the third and um, he, uh, you know, basically um, organized the group to remind us that we are African people living in America, or at least, you know, uh, people who are not necessarily a part of this American culture. And that definitely keeps us grounded to know to aspire to be more. And we use art. The Ujama Black Theater was a, a tool to be used as art to influence you know, um, people in the outer boroughs to use, you know, the power of the performing arts to communicate powerful messages, to educate and liberate our people. Absolutely. It's funny you say that because, I mean, you know, as far as my experience, you know, Titus, anything Titus did, anything we did, it never had, it never felt commercial. You know what I'm saying? It always felt like it was original. It was something that we just uh, embellishing on the truth. That, that we all knew, you know, things that we all experienced, creative energy and feelings we all have and share and sometimes misunderstand and don't get a chance to share. Titus brought that and he brought that seriously. He never backed down, you know, he, he never sold out or gave in. He stayed original, he stayed authentic, you know, and that's so important in, in this world to be authentic, you know, with who you are. And that, and, that, and that definitely means a lot from somebody like yourself, Gordon, who was shoulder to shoulder with him, you know, um, back in the 70s ultimately you know um i think uh you know um this episode right now we're talking about is the gospel of the harlem renaissance so we're definitely you know going to talk about our relationship with god and gospel and the good news and what that means to us we're going to talk about harlem and the renaissance that basically emerged in that uh, 1920s and how that all uh, was put together in a beautiful uh, production play that touched on uh, love, um, race, police brutality, um, color lines, you know, and so many different levels. And Gordon sure. definitely being uh, part of some of the original productions, This Ain't No Place, and, you know, later grew into all of the catalog, all of the 17, um, you know, original, you know, uh, productions, you know, by late, great Titus Walker up in heaven, who we salute and, you know, inspire yes, his work yes, today, you know, so yes, sir. Yes, sir. definitely, um, 
I guess, you know, uh, one of the first questions I got, you know, for you going is how did you first meet the late, great Titus Walker in the Ujamaa Black American Theater? Well, I'd say it was a it was a very cold, I believe it might have been a November night. And I was very, very young and I was, you know, just starting in the industry. What, know, what, very... what, what year, November 9th? Oh, uh, I believe, it kind of, I think it was in the late 70s. Just, I think just maybe before Titus got started or maybe maybe a year or so or two after he got About started. About 78, was... 78? 78, yeah. But I, yeah, I know it was definitely, he was already going strong at that time for it. For a while because I saw it in the paper for him, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember uh, where he was on 65th Street. I remember walking down the street, my coat wide open, you know, and I said, "No, when you're young, you're looking good, you got hair, you're feeling good, cocky." And I'm walking down the street, talking about, "Man, I'm, when I get this day to come in, I'm gonna win this guy over. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna become director. I'm gonna get in good with him, man, because I know what he's standing for, and, and I believe him when he's believing in." And I'm, you know, I was really just going full force with this. You know, and I came to that first audition, and, and so from then on, I started to really realize what Titus stood for, mm-hmm. as as not just as a, a an African American man, but as a man. Period. You know, mm-hmm. and as an as, as an, and as an artist. You know, and I can I can truly say that because I like I said I stood with Titus for a long time. You know, and Titus and I were like good cop bad cop so to speak. But you know, Titus was closer to me than I probably realized. Because you know, he taught me so much about being being authentic, understanding you know, who you are, you know, as an as an African American and who you are as a human being, mm-hmm. as an artist, you know, and and standing for that, you know, and not letting that that fall, being that the the utmost uh, mission in your life. Listen, it, it, it's um, you know, influence, it's uh, motivation, it's you know, inspiration that you know uh, propels us to do so so much you know when you really look at the grit of you know the elements you're fighting against to talk about such progressive uh content such a uh weird time for everybody you know you know it was a weird time for everybody where you know you're talking about the 70s so you you know you're saying post dr king and malcolm x you know post uh the whole panther movement you know you know the the merge of uh economics if you will you know yeah sure sure and the, like yeah, the, you know the, sure. the, the breakdown of the community so it was definitely a time where there was a lot of elements you know people were fighting against to just be you sure. know have an element of consciousness and and sure. uh, to celebrate the black woman and, and and black love and you know that whole dynamic so definitely you know this is what the you know theater speaks to and definitely um you know, that's definitely an interesting story on the, the November 9th day of, uh, what did you say, Gordon? You said that you was, uh, you, you was walking down the street with your shirt, your, your, your coat open. My, my said, coat, my coat was wide open. And what you said, I'm talking about like, I'm talking about John Travolta, you know, saying I mean, was wide say? open. And what you said, what you said, uh, ha- having hair, feeling cocky. <laughs> yeah. You know, you look good, you know, you feel good. You know. He said, having hair, <laughs> yeah. feeling cocky. Co- a couple of dollars in your pocket, you know, you're halfway dressed. That's you know, a mess all, you know, you know. That's, that's a mess to all them young boys that got here that's right. right now, walking around cocky, <laughs> walking around like they all that, because they got here right now. <laughs> Let me tell you something, boy. It took a lot, because you think it's not, it's not about hair, about anything you think you may have on your face in your pocket, or think you may be using it as any kind of weapon or any kind of means. Mm-hmm. It's about who you are as a person. Your honor walks with you. 
And when, when I walked down the street, it was my honor walking down the street because I knew I was not turning back. I was giving my all to this man and I was going to see this thing through to the end and do whatever I could to support this, this program and to be an artist. So that's what it was. It wasn't just me coming for some audition. I was almost like going like listening to the army. You know, I, was, I was dead serious. So I hear you. What, what character did you play in Harlem Renaissance, the Gospel Harlem Renaissance? Just about every character except Mary. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Oh yeah, you did. Did you play Samson at one time? Did you? Yeah, I, I think I might. Have, yeah, I might have played him maybe in for a minute. You know, I think there's a, a fill in somewhere. But I know I've I've delved pretty much in all the characters. Yeah, you you you, you was indoctrinated to that script somewhere or another. Whether, whether it was rehearsal, yeah. backstage, or the fill-in, whatever it was, you wasn't documented well, to that play. <laughs> Definitely, um, this recent, I guess, uh, was it, was it, uh, yeah, I guess it was 2019, mm -hmm. that we, we uh, did the the center and you played the jazz man in the excerpt. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. It brought back a lot of memories. Brought back a lot of yeah. memories. Brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> It also put me in the hospital, man, damn near. But you know, I I made it through when I was trying to do those shuffles. I I didn't tell you. I, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. But it, I just I bit my tongue and said, okay, I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna see this thing through like a soldier. To all listeners, all listeners that don't know, you know, Gordon Gathers <laughs> is a uh, you know a tall six four, you know, Carmel skin. And, um, 62 years old. Yeah, yeah. Hanging on the left side. Yeah, right now. You know, uh, I guess now he's 62, but you know, definitely as a young man, you know, he was a Devonair guy. That you know, his influence, you know, him being so influenced by dad definitely helped propel theater because they seen some real quality uh, people coming in there. You know, and that and that's you, Gordon. You know, real quality uh, people inspired by the work. You know what I'm saying? So you know, when you Thank had you, when you had when you had Gordon Gathers. In your corner. I mean, you had like the the best, you know, uh, assistant director, vice president, presidents that you could find, you know, in theater. Somebody who's saying, "Listen, Titus got this thing working," and definitely, you know, from the heavens down, you know, I know my father thanks you for, you know, you you, you know, definitely having his back all through them uh, years when definitely, you know, you was uh, uh, even not myself, you know, me seeing some of that footage as a little boy if seeing you play super nigga in all those uh, uh parodies and this ain't no place and definitely super nigga is one of those characters that influenced me because it was superman basically going gather the full superman suit on and he went into basically a spoken word or rated dialogue of him being a, a, a super negro and he had to be super in order to survive here in america Absolutely. and that's what the point is that he had to be super in order to survive here in america so it definitely spoke to a lot of dynamics, you know, uh, uh, and you got to be a, a strong showman, showmanship. And basically, you know, at the time, I guess you was the same height as Christopher Reeves. You was the same height as the guy actually playing him in the in pretty much in, give it take in, a, a in, in the movie. So definitely, yeah. you know, yeah. even me knowing those dynamics and, you know, and me seeing how my dad empowered somebody else to be a super a super whoever, a super Negro, you know, and see, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the only difference is on his side, he says, "Okay, cut, all right, good shot." But on our side, when that, we don't, we don't never, we don't never stop flying, we don't never stop moving, and things. So that's the difference, you know. So mm -hmm. our, our, our strip was real. Yeah, you know? so it was real, and definitely, you know, <laughs> listen, it, it was a stint that instilled and embraced imagination. You know, and, and, and embraced imagination that it wasn't corny Absolutely. or quirky. It wasn't no um, 
handyman. You know, you know our black superheroes that get uh, laughed. Wasn't at. contrived. Yeah, was stereotype contrived. or anything like that. There was something exactly. that, that you were saying. Listen, this man got to be super in order to survive. I can play basketball, and that's how uh, the subliminal a lot of us uh, as African Americans feel that we got to do everything. We got to, you know. Uh, 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 be able to rap. We gotta be able to play basketball. We gotta be even scholars and entrepreneurs, and um, <laughs> and, mean, and, and and be street smart. On top of that, we gotta have a history of selling crack. <laughs> we gotta have a history of selling crack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like listen. It's like, it's like don't don't hate the you know the player. Hate the game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, if African Americans have all this talent, then what's wrong with it? Yeah. What's the problem with us having all these gifts if we have that? You know, we probably had we had it for centuries. So what's wrong with this happening? What's yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, That's and, the whole problem. And, what's wrong with anybody having talent and gifts? Exactly. You know, use it. Just, another, just, you know, and, mm-hmm. and another. Yeah, side, no, I'm sorry, my brother. No, no, definitely. And another side of it is when you have um, some of the dialogue from Harlem Renaissance and the San, uh, um, Samson Jones character when he says, you know, being an educated black man is like being a fool or a freak. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That we, you know, it's definitely. You know, sometimes my expectations are so uh, are so low is that, you know, when we try to be assertive and, and speak with common sense, you know, they, they say, who are you trying to be? You know, who, you know, what are, what are you talking about? And a lot of times, you know, that's why Malcolm was so beautiful, but he just, you know, he was undeniable. He used analogies of, of the fox having the teeth looking like he's smiling at you, but he's really preying on you, you know what I'm saying? You know, it was wit like that that really got us to another level of consciousness, really. And it took that, you know, the house Negro, field Negro analogies to really, you know, uh, bring us bring us through. And a lot of times, yeah, you know, you, you, you'd be amazed how people would think, you know, even during that time of the 70s, even now, where it takes somebody like Gordon to be, you know, uh, a handsome guy to, you know, draw people in, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, but see, but that's funny because, but that's see that whole thing. See, even that is an illusion in itself because it's drawing draw to yeah. what? Drawing yeah. to what? Because how somebody look, the charm, is the swag, you know, or, or, or is it what they're doing, what they represent, but, you know, but what it, they're trying to achieve? You know? the, way, the way I mean is really, you know, that you draw people in, you know, you you help draw people in into a theater that really helped propel a lot of consciousness within people, and that only God can do that. Only God can get that quality of uh you know uh actor performer like yourself to be so indoctrinated to that program that that was thank only you, that, well, was, that, that was only that was only god's will that you know to, to propel that but you know it's definitely having those attributes and knowing how to capitalize off it know how to use it and you definitely well i guess in that respect you're right yeah, yeah sure yeah. i guess in that respect it's yeah, all yeah it's all true because, it, it, you know, if, sometimes if, if it's for good yeah if it's for good because sure use that exactly. same draw to to, to, exactly. to to lead people into fire you know? <laughs> exactly. You know, you say the you point know. is whatever. The point is whatever it takes to lead people into a more positive consciousness. It's all. It's all worth it. You know, the dialogue. It's, not, it's, it's, not, your, it's your prerogative to be something much more positive. You know the dialogue. Absolutely. You know. You know. And, and, and I tell. And I tell you. I have to tell you a dialogue. My father always said, "Always like God bless this man. He's a, he taught me so much. He always told me, I'm high, the higher a monkey climbs, the more his ass is shown." And I, I, I say that. That's so. I live by that. That rule because mm. that's so true, mm. you know. And it's it's, it's simple. It's, it's simple. And he, I laugh when he told me that, but I never forgot that because if you think about what that really means, you know, when you climb and rise, you know, be careful when you do something. You expose it to the world, and whatever mm. you do, you expose it, and be ready for what comes back, and don't judge and be all bent out of shape. What comes back, expect, 
you know, expect the, the profound to come back because you're opening up a part of your energy to the universe. You know, it's like a feels like an explosion. So you're going to get a reaction and the world will, will react back and that energy will come back. So you have to just understand that energy, absorb it and engage it, you know, and, and, and try to make sense of it all, you know, what it means to us, you know. Definitely, you know, it, it, it's all, uh, you know, uh, a, a balance that we're all trying to find. But you need a balance, you know. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, that, that's the, you know, people, you know, spoke about like even music today. That uh, the problem is that you don't have no balance. That you have all these people talking ratchet, but you don't got enough people talking conscious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and at least at least back in the day, you know, again, you know, you know, even with the white culture, you got people playing Pee Wee Herman. But then you got people with us presidents, you know what I'm saying? You know, so a lot of times, you know, we have uh, a leadership disparity that got to be embraced and acknowledged. But definitely, you know, uh, before we go on break, I want to really definitely talk about um, your advancements, your time in Germany, your book that you um, got uh, published and out right now and it's available. So we're just going to go break right now and I'm looking forward to talking about those things. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Okay. Hello, I'm looking for Tweety D. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, yo. In my head, I'm listening to like Wu Tang right now. Ah, <laughs> Wu Tang. Yo, yo. Uh, what, what, you, what the fuck you know? <laughs> yo, everybody, welcome, welcome the life of the party to the You Bet podcast. The one and only, yes, let's the one and only, I'm going to say your government, your one and only Trillium McCutcheon, a.k.a. Okay. D. As a matter of fact, it's a Trillia, it's a Trillia, Daisia, De, Desmaria McCutcheon. Yes. And you know that, Tweety D. Tweety. <laughs> Tweety D. I, could, I, I had to keep it Tweety there. Like, I've been calling Tweety Tweety, <laughs> you know, forever. So I was like, how am I going to call you some other Des? I said, okay. nah, she got to be Tweety D. <laughs> She twitty did. No, no, that that's 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 what we're doing. We'll you know do what I'm like saying? that. And, and it's, so no, it's no, it's no, it's no vulgarities. <laughs> it's not Tweety D's. So I don't want people to be like Tweety D's and all that. You know what I'm saying? We're keeping it clean because right now this episode is I think our thirteenth uh, episode of the Gospel of the Harlem Renaissance. Right. Um. This this, right, this is a right. very important episode because uh, Tweety D mom was actually. Um, our choreographer in the theater, and she went through all those dances and rehearsing all yes, those all sir. those dances. And Tweety D was actually our co-host at the 2018 Ujama uh, Awards. Yes, and, and yes, you guys, she and, killed and that me, mother. Wait, hold on, hold on yes. Tosh. Let me let them know. What they need to know is your father. Mm-hmm. And my mom, okay, he was a director. My mom was a choreographer for them. So what happened was when they was just kind of like, you know, like, you know, we kind of like had to take over, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, at least try to take over, you know what I mean? So it's just like, we was kind of like helping each other out. So it's it kind of like an, another generation of That's us r- coming together. That's right. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. And we are family. We, we are family. family. And definitely, so, I, and definitely, you, I was like, you became and, a director, and, we, and, we kinda, and I became a whatever. I yeah, she became whatever she tried to be. She's still a big. She's I still. I tried to. I tried to. I had a baby, 
I, I did all this stuff, whatever, but like, you know, she had a, she had a body, a lot she had a body <laughs> I had a bite, but, but like, you know, there's a, there's a lot more to do. And, um, and this is a, these are one of the, you know, steps. during these, the COVID these stuff, are definitely, these definitely one of the steps. Um, it was a long road getting, uh, Tweety right. here. I had to go through, um, right. uh, uh, all type of hoods and boyfriends <laughs> Um, I was what? almost. You really want to I was almost that? ran up on because he thought I was some. All right, that that's a, that's the next subject. Unless you want to get into thought, that, he thought subject. I was uh, trying to take the tweets from him. He thought I was some. <laughs> he thought I was some dweet trying to take the tweets. And it was never like that. It was never like that. Just like just like she's saying, my father he just didn't know that we were. Yeah, that was my it. That was it. And her mother had a, had an admiration for each other, but once they found out that they right. were actually, you know, um, kind of generational cousins, then you know they right. said like, "Nah, we can't be getting like fresh." And I think me and Tweety definitely had that same pack where we said, "Hold up, we cousins? Nah." And that's why we're on the podcast. <laughs> that's why we're on the podcast today <laughs> because there was no funny business. So that I'm letting that people let everybody know. There's never been any funny business. No funny business. <laughs> no in funny here. business in here. So let everybody know. No funny business podcast. the fuck out. That's what you would do. And if you think it's funny business, you can leave right now. You can leave right now. Can I curse on here? Oh my god. You can, but not on this podcast because this is the gospel of the Hollywood podcast. So we're gonna reserve. Because I'm from Bronx, definitely, you know, it's, it's I, just, I wanted people to hear okay. the level of energy that Absolutely. you had. Yes. And definitely, you know, um, yes. you know, Tweety is very spiritual because God had pulled out some rough situations. Oh, my God. Am I yes, right? Yes, he God did. God had pulled out some rough situations. Yes, he did. Just last year. Yes, he did. You mean? Oh, uh, my God. He, last year? What do you mean last I mean, year? I'm talking about the last the la- five years. It's been like really, really rough. It's been crazy. And listen, like I, I feel like the, I'm, I'm not the only one that's been through this, you know. And it's been like kind of crazy, but like at the same time, like I've been dealing with like siblings. Like I'm not trying to like um give like all my information out like not right this away. Episode, no. But like, yo, yeah, yeah, not this episode. But sometimes when you're dealing with like people that you really care about and everything, like it kind of affects you. And I'm I'm sure that anybody that's hearing this, that they can they, they can relate to something like that. So like what you gotta do is kind of like woo saw your way from it and kind of like kind of like care for them, but care for yourself more. And th- that would actually just kind of reach you into the way. That you need to That's know. true. Look, it look like it look like you saying we saying Wusa and the way you're trying to go. You seem like you. I said Wusa. I, 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 I said like you saying a lot of things, but but not just Wusa. But you need need what God and spirituality. Oh, oh no, absolutely. Because and this one thing sound like a rabbit's foot. I gotta have my rabbit foot now. Okay, now when you bring it to God, I wasn't like a big person. Like I'm sure a lot of people can can bring this up every like a lot of people can like you know like they can just go to god or whatever the only because like that's what their parents was told them to do Mm -hmm. and 
there's a lot of people that like, you know, in our, like, like in our generation, the only time they will go to God is what? Easter. Okay. God. Oh, time, oh, oh, say that you again. The only mean? time they go to God is right. Easter. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, go to Easter. Let's go to them. But when you start getting older and everything, it's just like, dang, like, do I need to go to him? You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's just it, it, it's just so crazy. It gets, it it's gets crazy. deep. Yeah. It gets it definitely gets yep. deep. It, it definitely gets, gets deep. It, it, Listen. It, it gets it, deep it, more older you Yeah, it definitely gets deep. And, and the need for him becomes more sophisticated. So this is my question. This is my question. Have you ever believed in him? Like, or do you truly believe in him? So when you get to that point, do you truly believe in him now? Are you are are you just being like, oh, I need help? Yeah, you know, yeah, you gotta you gotta pray to when times are bad and, and when times when, are good. Yeah, exactly. And that's when people become agnostic. They're like, What what am I to do? Exactly. That's, you you know, it's very that? important what you're saying. Is that and, definitely uh I, yeah, don't don't go exactly. to them when you need help. <laughs> don't go to them just when you need help. But go to them. Exactly. You know, no, don't you know, do all that. The time. Um Tweety, real quick. Right. Real quick, we're gonna just gonna yeah. we're gonna talk to a sponsor real quick. And um, you know, this is gonna be fun. Okay, I'm excited. Hi. Listen. Oh, in a world full of hate and greed and lies and man, I'm blessed to be here. In a world full of trees and disease and man, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. In a world full of hate, making no mistake, I'm blessed to be here. In a plane of earth and pain, man, I'm blessed to be here. Whoa, I'm so blessed to be here. I'm so blessed to be here. Blessed to be here. A natural hairline for the natural woman, the natural man. No chemicals, no lie, no die. Whether you want waves, braids, dreads, or a nice wig on your head, we got you at Blessed to be here. I'm so blessed to be here. I'm so blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be here. I'm so blessed to be here. In a world full of hate and rage and lies, I'm blessed to be here. talk to you about a little bit since you you yes let me tell me about what you know about harlem and how it's changed today and your experience of harlem over the years as you know oh as young my people, god as, you know as young people 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 that were like kind of born in the 80s and you know and how you seen it how you how you the stories okay. you heard and how you seen it change and what it represents okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give you like a real quick thing mm-hmm. of harlem and Yo, Taj, mm-hmm. listen, listen. 
you know when you can just go out you you know when you can just go outside mm-hmm. and then and and, and 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 your mom is cool all she can do is just like um call out the window and just be like hey hey ah bring your ass upstairs blah 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 like you know like it's just completely different they play this real good music mm-hmm. you understand mm-hmm. I'm talking about like my my father been playing Sugar Hill, and he'll 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 he'll, he'll put the um the 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 mic the the mic like right there like outside the um the, like outside mm-hmm. the window, and everybody will listen to it. Like who listens to Sugar Hill? Nobody listens to Sugar Hill anymore. That's true. You understand? No, but like what I'm talking about is like. I know what you're. I know what you're saying. I know what I'm saying. But what's going on with me right mm-hmm. now is is the fact that what I know and what I need these kids mm-hmm. to know is what they're not learning, and I'm getting pissed off about it. And that's it. I'm getting pissed off about it, Mom. Oh, what's this? What do you listen to? What's going on? Why are you snapping your hands? Why are you doing a two-step? What's that? What's that? What you mean, what's that? You should have known what that is. Yeah, she, uh... Okay, now now it's Fortnite. Now it's Fortnite. Now it's, um... What? GTA. Now it's this. Now it's that. I'm not gonna say that I'm, I'm here saying, like, Oh, this is what my son is going through. Blah, 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 blah. But this is what I'm seeing through all my friends and everybody that like we've been all living through and everybody that like like all my friends um, mothers have been living through because we all grew up together. We all knew what this is. But this is this is like some like like this is like some coming together stuff. But it's not happening anymore. It was it, it was more and it this- was more it was better sense of the community. And 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 this and this right. and this exactly. we're gonna talk about now because we have interviews from uh, uh, Tammy J. Uh, we have interviews yeah. from uh, uh, Pearly B, who is my mother. We gave her nickname is Pearly B. And, yes, uh, I and love we you. have interviews from uh, <laughs> the late uh, late great Titus Walker. He's gonna be on his podcast. Oh and we're going to have interviews from his uh, oldest AD, the AD, his assistant director, AD stands for assistant director, the assistant director that, that was yeah. around before I was born. So, you know, that's that's like a long time. Oh, yeah, my so he's God. Like, he's like, he's like, listen, man, yeah. I remember when you and your when, when your mom and dad got together. man. And he said, listen, man, I, when they hooked up, man, I remember the same day they hooked up, man. <laughs> so this is going to be because Harlem Renaissance was the first uh, uh, performance yeah. I actually did at five years old. That was my first uh, step on stage. I had to learn some lines. And um, Mr. Walker made sure I was uh, got an action figure for my first uh, performance. And I and I always took that as an action figure. It was probably a little $5, uh, probably the black. If I remember correctly, okay. it was the black, so it was the black how, Ghostbuster. How, how do we how do we get the action figure? Uh, well, I had to play this uh, role called Little Sam, and um, right, I was promised the action figure. But more than the action figure, it let me understand that 
a lot of time actors still have in their mind where they have to be rewarded for what they do. You know what right. I'm saying? That's what's the most important. It's it's, it's kind of like having like 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 the Hollywood star. Kinda, 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 <laughs> Excuse kinda, my language. Yeah, kind of kind of sort of, but definitely like it's it's definitely like making making. You know what yeah, you know it's what definitely I mean. Like making sure every um, performer, no matter how big or how small their part, is acknowledged for their contribution in that ensemble. And I felt that was the most um, important note for my first performance, and that's why we're having this. Taj, you should have got that in already. You should have gotten it already. The action figure? You know, this being um, episode dealing with uh, the gospel of Harlem Renaissance, what are some of your closing thoughts on... um, you know, where we at now, how this play relates to us now, and, you know, just the whole movement. Well, well, the, the gospel of, of Harlem Renaissance basically represented a family who was struggling, who came uh, to a place to achieve a better life, who had dreams and ambitions, who were God-fearing people. They weren't people who were trying to do anything unsavory, and they were, were honestly willing to, 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 you know, to work hard and and live, and they were up against a very hard and very uh, prejudiced system, like how it's now unfairness. You know, not being able to live where you want, not even to get a job where you want, not even to get any kind of benefits or or kind of uh, assistance you know, that's necessary that we should all have a right to have. You know, so it was almost like the play was just a reflection of what was happening then, and was still happening now. It was still happening uh, now. Just, just a simple injustice that needs to be just straightened out. And just correct it. No more this nonsense, this game playing, everybody's bullshitting around with, you know. And people gotta stop all this shit, man, because, you know, really, you know, it's, it's getting it's getting old. This old waving the flag, being old, it's getting old. Getting old, you know. You know it's getting old. It's all hating. It's getting old, you know. And it's not working. You see what's happening, you know. Before you know, no one's gonna be around to even hate each other. No, that's right. That's all I'm saying, man. Just. You know, Harlem Renaissance represented life. Harlem was always a mecca of culture entertainment from the 20s up until today. It still is, you know, still was. And the memories that exist there will always remain. Titus Walker's memory will always remain there as a, a person who kept that who kept that uh, spirit alive. Our know, creative heritage, who we are as African Americans, who we are as artists, as people. Powerful. So... But brother, I say all this, man, on your behalf, man, because I wouldn't be saying all this if, if you weren't there to say it too, man. You know, you're, you know, like I said, you are the, the crowning example, man. You know, Titus must be beyond proud, looking, you know, looking from the heavens and knowing that his his legacy is is proudly recognized. And you know, to have that situation is the greatest gift, man. Definitely, you know, definitely, so. definitely. Thank you, thank you so much, and that you know that means. Thank you, my brother. From- thank you. From, Thank from, you, the world. Thank you. From the heavens to the earth, you know, you know, Mr. Walking <laughs> the Heavens and me walking this earth. You know, we thank right. you definitely. And then, you know, it's all all in tune spirit, you know, and definitely Absolutely. we thank you for keeping this legacy alive. You you stand around and and you know, sounding, you know, in, in, in same mind and you can't unest- you know, you can't underestimate that just being the same mind these days and times is a lot. That's right, man. You're still authentic all the way through, man. You never change. You never do that. You do that once, it's got you're done. You're done. You know, you're done. you're done. Whether you 
got money or not, if you, you change once, you're done. You're still authentic no matter what. You know, it's, it's painful, it's hard. You may have to even lose out some stuff, but you're not losing. You know, you, know, you stay that way because that is what, well, the trueness of your, your being is what the creative energy is, what artistry is, what you really are. That allows you to connect with the universe and the power of that. The trueness of yourself, whatever you feel, your mistakes, your weaknesses, your doubts. You know, don't run away and pretend and blame it. Own up to that shit and be true to it, and say this is who I am. This is this is the the being that I am, and embrace it all, and believe in it, and just ask the universe to, to help you and guide you. It will happen. That's it. Listen, y'all heard y'all heard it live. Y'all heard it live here. And listen, I want to thank you so much, Gordon. We're going to get ready to conclude um, this uh, episode and segment of the. Gospel of the Harlem Renaissance, and it was such an honor to have Gordon Gathers, legend of the theater, you know, to to you know archive this conversation. You know, means definitely a lot, and we'll definitely have that actor um, be casted to uh, have a nice big coat on on that cold November day <laughs> in 1978. No, he's, gonna, he's gonna have to have it wide open, and his shirt will have to be wide open. Okay. I didn't wear t-shirts. I didn't wear t-shirts when I was when I was uh, when I wore those little open neck, you know, 1980 disco shirts with no t-shirt on, the chest wide open. Yeah, so he's gonna have to have that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a scene where he has a sore throat after. <laughs> he, he gonna come and say, uh, "I'm gonna be the, 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 the best, the best ever." I'm gonna say, he's gonna freeze his ass off because I'm telling you, it's not about just it's not about just. Uh, putting up with the cold man uh-huh. you know i was i was walking out with fire in my heart it was a reason why i walked down here so we'll, 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 make, we'll make we'll make sure that he'll work on his uh <laughs> sore, sore throat and, and we'll pack some lodges in the character you know? make sure. he's gonna have to go for the oscar man because i was serious i wasn't playing you know <laughs> and <Definitely>. so <laughs> make sure you film that in the freezing cold yeah, you know I, I, I make sure I make sure I will definitely I, do I, like I, about thirty or forty takes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, 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 right down, right down there on, on 66th Street. We'll make sure. Yeah, yeah. And every time, some, some, some stop, and somebody got to hold his coat, you know, because then we walk down there with with the shirt on and the jacket, the disco jacket. Uh, hilarious, hilarious! <laughs> I can't wait! I can't wait! I can't wait! Because you know, there's a lot of you know. Um, you know, actors out there with that kind of energy, anyway. So a lot of oh, times, yeah, yeah, that's if, right. if, if you know you being that uh, original guy, and um, I can direct him to the podcast to you know <laughs> see where uh, th- that influence came from. You know, that'd be super, a lot of truth to be super, told. Super duper hot, super duper hot. But definitely, um, listen, man, it's been it's been a pleasure, and definitely, um, you know, same here. You you are you know definitely. Uh, Keep part of his legacy, and and, and we're gonna keep you moving, man. We're gonna keep you part of legacy, man, because you know we're going for another forty-three years in this uh, theater Absolutely. thing. You know, we're going for another God one. God bless you. Yo, thank you, big brother, man. God you bless you, my know. brother. God bless you, and you know, keep the keep the fire going. And you know, I'm so proud of you, man. Keep it going, my brother. All the best to you. The fire. That's what we're talking about. Thank you so much. The fire in the UVet mm-hmm. podcast, and we are signing. Absolutely, absolutely. Number one. Number one. Everybody. All right, guys. Hey, everybody. I am Tajamal Waki. And I am Tweety yes, D. Yes, and we make up the podcast called UBAT. 
Uh huh. You better watch your mouth. <laughs> everybody, everybody, this is a great show, and we're having a great time. And this is going to be the podcast of life. Get ready, y'all. Kitty cat. All right, we have uh, we have feel we have feline problems help. here on You Bet Podcast. <laughs> hey, are we uh, the people the people waiting? Yeah. Put people waiting. National anthem. A couple of yeah. verses. I mean, you know, one a verse, just a little sample. I, I got the whole song. I mean, uh, okay. All right, I everybody, everybody get ready. We about to blast off with the You Bet podcast right now. We got Pearl B, and she's here on the You Bet podcast, and she's about to give us a little uh, Black National Anthem. Hit it, Mama Pearl B. Okay, this is the Negro National Anthem. I have a few verses. The first one I'll sing in Swahili. Yimbene kwa shangwe limwengu zinene zinene na sauti mpakami vene hali all you know the words, man, but that's that part of the Swahili. Dynamic. I loved it. That was, uh, you, listen, in Swahili, if, if our audience doesn't know, is the tribal language. That's the same language that we named uh, UBAT after. The U, the U stands for Ujama, which is cooperative economics. And that's black people just working together, doing business, which is such a, a trend and uh, a, a thing right now. And it should not be a trend. It should be a thing that we live by. You know, it should be a thing that is necessary. You know, it should be a thing that we... English, sing it and recite it in English. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound. Loud as the rolling sea, sing a song full of the faith that the darkness has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, 
bit of a chastening rod felt in the days when hope unborn had died yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet come to the place for which our father sighed we have come over a way that with tears have been watered we have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered out from the gloomy past till how we stand at last with the white gleam of our bright days is cast God of our weary years God of our silences, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path. Wow, absolutely beautiful. Let's clap it up. Let's clap it up. And that's written by well, James you, Weldon James Johnson. Johnson. Thank you, Mama Pearl B, for dropping that just now. I mean, that was a track the world needed just to reinforce our blackness and let us know who we are, what we are, and how we're going to move on. Listen, this has been a great episode. And listen, I don't know if there's anything we didn't talk about here today, but we're going to talk about more and more and more. And definitely... Um, Thank you. Any uh, anything um, anything we, we missed? I'm just glad that we're able to do this podcast, and I hope it can continue. We'll continue with you back to continue to pass on positive images of black people to uplift ourselves and uphold our place where we belong in this world. And may God make sure he has a place for us more important than anything that we have a place even at the crusty toe of his foot we want to sit by him and keep up praising and throwing our hands up to thank him for all things good and bad and we know that it's better things than on this earth is to be in heaven with the father Amen. And that's what we strive you, you for every never day. Lie. And I definitely appreciate those those words because they keep us focused and on point each and every day. Listen, you know, we 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 talk about mm-hmm. a lot of things during this podcast, but definitely this all derives from, you know, this queen right here. You know, she definitely had an open mind and taken information from 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 six and seven books of Moses to to the uh, uh, you know autobiography Malcolm X you know definitely being a, a, a student and studied um, uh, a woman you know definitely passing on that to me is definitely something that I can't you know um, thank you enough for and the willingness to just be free as, you, as free as you see as um, you know Mama Pearl B is presenting herself on this podcast is free thinking as uh, we are Ujamaa. Definitely, you know, I read a quote recently and it's very true, you know, thinking 
We want to place it. We want to place on Earth, yes, but we want to place. What I heard was uh, thinking is a difficult thing, and some people, you know, don't want to do it. You know, they don't want to think. You know, and a lot of times you got to start mm-hmm. there by thinking. You know, you know, thinking, you know, thinking outside the box. You know, forget what we said, forget what was said by the leader, the preacher, the minister, or the teacher. But you know, what do you think? You know, what do you think? You know, and a lot of times we have to think. What do you think? And everybody right now, you know, mm-hmm. their thinking is being challenged right now. So we definitely pray for those who, you know, are, you know, not thinking, and pray for those definitely who are thinking. And um, you know, we're gonna move, you know, forward and give you know people understanding. You know, we, uh, you know, this is will be the you know Harlem Renaissance. Uh, episode but we talked about so many things because even in that play it, 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 it replays itself with it forces us to bring up all these subject matters again you know from you know the government to you know the food we're eating to the poisonous animals and you know things that we embraced in our culture for too many years but you know today we we, we hear this we call it an end it's the end of that we're done and we're going to start doing a hard job. We're going to start thinking. We're going to start thinking. We're going to start thinking. It's so important. Yeah. Listen, um, signing off on the You Bad Podcast, I'm going to leave it to you. Mama Pearl B, sign us off. The Ujama Black American Theater Podcast. Thanks, Mama Pearl B, for joining us today. And we're going to end it. To Ujama, the podcast, in the name of God and of all people listening, may you be blessed with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and may you help each other and lift each other up to help us all strive on to find our place righteously and without fear, with courage to seek on to your goals for the upliftment of your people, of our race, and of the human race. May we all stand together as one. And with Jesus, Yahshua, Elohim, by our side and at our back, to strive us on. In all things you do, you make one step and he'll make two for you. And just keep having faith and perseverance. You will make it to your goal. And always put God in forefront of all things you do. And everything else will follow. Thank you. In the name of God, I pray. And thank him for all things. Amen. And thank you to and to myself. And may you all have a blessing to the list of these words. And may it sanctify your heart and soul and know to be strong and have courage in your every step every day. And thank God for all and, things. And, Amen. And I'm glad that I was here. And in closing, we just want you to continue to support um, Black Theater and Black Podcasts and anything. Support your people and all that they do. For together and, and as definitely, one, uh, we may definitely salute and um, you know very special blessing and prayers to the one and only great Titus Walker for uh, 
placing that ad, you know, and seeing a vision that, you know, at a time we didn't see, but we knew it was the right thing to do. And and all that right thing to do, you know, led to yeah. you know, my existence. So definitely um, you know, uh as a tear as a tear drops my eye, um, special shout out to, you know, definitely uh the father the father the father of all this and all that made it possible, you know, Titus Herbert Walker III. Yes, he was a wonderful father, and uh, shout goes out to him up to the skies of heaven, where I'm sure he's sitting down and still watching. And to thank him for what he's done, he's the father of. Uh, knowledge for the people of today. Definitely, you know, we're working on some uh, definitely last finalizations of tribute to uh, Titus Walker in um, series form. Um, we're trying to find somebody to pay uh, Pearl Bailey, so definitely um, with this podcast, you'll have all the uh, study material you need to indemnify her character. We in overtime, Mama. All right, listen. You did a great job. Thank you so much. Signing off. I love you. I enjoyed being on the podcast. And a shout out and thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm so glad I could great talk job, to you today, son. Good job. Thumbs up. Thank All you. right. Signing off. Salute. Salute. Right. Salute. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love, love you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.